Actually, I will share the screen. Good idea. I will share the screen now as we go into our subject of uh, the five uh, types of Dhamma. Because I want to start with a quote from Srila Prabhupada. Uh, here it is. Oops. Okay. Oh, I have to move some more things to get it out of the way. Mm. Uh -huh. mm. <laughs> okay. Uh, this is an excerpt uh, from an article. I think it must be a quite early article uh, from Back to Godhead. It was written by uh, Hayagriva Prabhu. And I don't know, but this may be an extracted from his book. Uh, he wrote a book called Vrindavan Days. And he's describing his own experience um, being together with Srila Prabhupada in Vrindavan. And this was, um, pretty sure it was in 1972. Uh, and so, yeah, I will just read uh, and we'll we'll see the connection. He's well. I'll say first. Uh, he is. I, I want to refer to this because we're talking about drishyamana dhamma, uh, that form of the dham of boma vrindavan, which is uh, in which the devotees per perceive the presence of the Lord despite the Lord's apparent absence. Uh, and so uh, here we have Srila Prabhupada speaking in Vrindavan. And let's see what he says. Um, this is, um, yeah, I'll start from where Prabhupada speaks. This is happening in the courtyard uh, of the Radhadamadar temple in the back where uh, Srila Rupa Goswami's Samadhi and his Bhajan Kutir are situated. Um, and uh, Hayagriva says, sometimes it is hard to hear Srila Prabhupada above the chatter of the birds and sometimes a monkey fight temporarily interrupts the lecture. <clears throat> Well, now they've completely enclosed that area, uh, so there are no monkeys inside. Okay, Prabhupada says, When Krishna comes, he appears here in Vrindavan. Therefore, this Vrindavan Dham is so important to the devotees. And Hayagriva says, 
I look around and consider the veil of Maya over my eyes. And when it is removed, no, um, I recall years previous amidst the soot and traffic roar of New York's Lower East Side that Srila Prabhupada said, quote, there is a speck covering your eye. And when it is removed, you will see all this as Vaikuntha. Now he delivers the same message, quote, everyone can see God. It is not very difficult. God is everywhere. In Bhagavad Gita, he describes himself. Everyone drinks water, and Krishna says, I am the taste of water. Atheists are always saying, show me God. But if you have the eyes to see God, you can see him everywhere. If you become saintly by austerities, you can see God everywhere. If you are a materialist, you can also see God in the sun and moon. Those who are impersonalists can see God in that way. Hiranyakashipu challenged God, so God came before him as death. <laughs> God is willing to reveal himself according to our expectations. All rasas are there in Krishna. We can enjoy loving pleasure with Krishna in any rasa, and Krishna is ready to respond in any rasa. The gopis came to Krishna out of lust, but their lust became purified. Try to approach Krishna in some way or another. Kamsa was also Krishna conscious, but he thought of Krishna as an enemy. Nonetheless, he was liberated. So, what to speak of those who are in love with Krishna? Krishna is like the sun. He purifies everything. Whatever way you approach Krishna, you will become purified. Divert your attention to Krishna, and that is love. <laughs> you have a particular relationship with Krishna, which will gradually be revealed as you follow the rules of the Acharyas. Just as the desire for sex is in all entities and becomes manifest at the right age, so, Swarupa Siddhi, our constitutional position, becomes manifest at the right time. That's an interesting analogy. The sun becomes visible when it rises. You cannot force the sun to rise at midnight. Be patient, render devotional service, and wait.
Guru Maharaj, Srila Prabhupada speaking of his Guru, Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur, Guru Maharaj said, don't try to see Krishna, just get Krishna to see you. Try to get his attention by serving him under the orders of the spiritual master. So, so this is a nice uh, expression of the process of seeing Krishna and in relation to what we're reading, what we're discussing, we are reading from, uh, we're, we're reading from Shivaram Swami's book, um, Raja, Navaraja Mahima. Uh, and we're discussing about Drishyamana Dhamma. And we actually got beyond Drishyamana Dhamma to the next type of Dhamma, which is the Dhamma in the heart of great devotees. Uh, one thing I wanted to say in connection with Dhamma as a whole, there's also a history of the Dhamma's appearance and covering and again uncovering. And that history is, uh, we may say, a significant mm, part of the story uh, of the Gaudiya Vaishnava tradition uh, from Chaitanya Mahaprabhu. The fact that Chaitanya Mahaprabhu sent the Goswamis to Vrindavan, I believe he first sent Lokanath Swami, Goswami, uh, and there was uh, a friend of Lokanath Goswami named uh, Bhugarbha. Their samadhis are also in the courtyard of the samadhis of the Radha Damodar temple. Uh, and then Rupa, Sanatan, and eventually all the others, Jiva, Gopal Bhatta, uh, uh, Goswamis, Raghunath Bhatta also came there, and Raghunath Das Goswami. They all assembled over some time in Vrindavan. And one of the tasks uh, given to them by Chaitanya Mahaprabhu was to rediscover uh, the places of pastimes of the Lord. Uh, a little known uh, additional person who had the same, same task, and I don't know more about him than what I say, but um, there was one Narayana Bhatta who also had the task apparently from his guru, which, and here I'm, I'm not knowing the background, what, who is his guru? Uh, he's not referred to in Chaitanya Charitamrita, but he also was in Braj and he wrote a book uh, and that book uh, mm, uh, is called Braja Bhakti Vilasa. And that book is describing all the different places uh, of Krishna's pastimes. 
with considerable details of uh, how one should uh, perform devotional service in those places. Um, and uh, we see a similar activity going on in Navadvipdam with Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur. As we know, um, because Bhaktivinoda Thakur's appearance day today, we want to refer to him. Uh, Bhaktivinoda Thakur rediscovered the place of Chaitanya Mahaprabhu's appearance with the help, with the confirmation of Jagannath Das Babaji. And uh, other places, he wrote, he also wrote a book uh, on Navadvitam called Navadvitam Mahatmya, in which he describes a parikrama. Uh, if I remember, someone can correct me, but I think it's uh, Nityananda Prabhu giving a guided tour uh, to Jiva Goswami. Yeah? Sounds right. Mm. Or that was in Brindavan. <laughs> um, yeah, also in the Bhakti Ratnakar, I think it's chapter 5, there's an extensive uh, um, touring of Vrindavan. We get a brief touring of Vrindavan in Chaitanya Charitamrita when uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu goes to Vrindavan. Um, we know he stayed there a short time, two months, and then left. Um, although it seemed like he wanted to just stay there, and nobody else wanted him to stay. Uh, no, they didn't push him out. <laughs> The problem was his ecstasy was too much for him. Um, so uh, this rediscovering of the places of pilgrimage and also the renovation of places uh, in the Dhamma. So, um, well, again, uh, Chaitanya Mahaprabhu himself rediscovers Radha Kunda. Um, before he came, Radhakunda was a little mud pond, a, muddy, a small muddy pond in a field of a farmer. And then came Chaitanya Mahaprabhu, and he understood this is not just some muddy pond. <laughs> this is uh, Radhakunda itself. And so then, later, Jiva Goswami um, was very successful in doing some fundraising. Uh, and uh, the Radha Kunda that we see today, uh, with the grand stepways all around and so on, uh, is now there. Other renovation projects uh, are going on at the present day. Um, well, uh, I believe some renovation projects are going on. There's, I've, I've seen there have been efforts 
to uh, to clean Vrindavan, to replant, uh, to make to to plant more trees in Vrindavan. Um, there, from time to time, there are cleaning programs. People come, volunteers, and they clean up the the garbage that seems to collect. On the other side, there seems to be efforts at times to cover over Vrindavan more than it is uh, in the form of ever-increasing construction. And just recently, just some years back, uh, within the last, um, yeah, 20 years, there was this completely crazy idea of the government uh, to build a highway around uh, around the what would be the eastern side of Rindavan, running right through uh, the Yamuna River. They had this like a causeway they were building that would run along the river or in the middle of the river, going the direction of the river. And they built these huge uh, concrete pilings. And the people of Vrindavan were shocked and <laughs> devastated. How could anything like this happen? Fortunately, the whole project was stopped. Um, there was some rallying of some political, it, it sort of woke up uh, the uh, some of the senior people of Rindavan, some of the leaders, and they were able to get it stopped. Um, but this is an ongoing challenge in Vrindavan. And therefore, we may say in some sense, therefore, efforts are made to make new Vrindavans. But leading up to that story, we have uh, this story or this uh, understanding of the Dhamma, that the Dhamma is in the hearts mm, of, uh, of great devotees. I guess I read this paragraph last week, but to remind myself... Um, Okay, it's referring to a verse, Sabibrat Purushang Dhamma Brajamano Yata Ravi, while carrying the form of the Supreme Personality of Godhead within the core of his heart, Vasudeva bore the Lord's transcendentally illuminating effulgence, Dhamma, and thus he became as bright as the sun. Uh, this is going to describe what in the Christian tradition would be called an immaculate conception. <laughs> uh, and then there... Immaculate. Without any um, imperfection, without any fault. 
niepokalane. To ciąg, to, to ciąg się. Okay, we're getting a help, getting help from the sidelines here. Um, okay, the word Dhamma appears in this verse. In the verse itself, Srila Prabhupada translates Dhamma as transcendentally illuminating effulgence. But in the purport, he says that, quote, it refers to the place where the Supreme Personality of Godhead resides. And he goes on to say that if one is empowered by the Lord, the core of one's heart becomes a Dhamma. Okay, so this is the key point. If empowered by the Lord, the core of one's heart becomes a Dhamma. Why is that? Because we understand wherever the Lord is, there is also his Dhamma. So if our heart, if the Lord is uh, situated, is manifest, we're interested in the manifestation of the Dhamma. If the Lord is manifest in the heart, the Dhamma will be manifest. And this makes one spiritually powerful. Um, Prabhupada also refers to the verse, the very first verse of the Bhagavatam, in which we get these, uh, get the word Dhamna Svenasadat. Prabhupada explains any place where the Supreme Personality of Godhead is present by his name, form, qualities, or paraphernalia immediately becomes a Dhamma. So yeah, when the when the Lord appears in the heart, the Dhamma also appears. Uh, now one may well ask, all right, so how advanced does a devotee have to be for that to happen? You want to know? Yes, we want to know. Rupa Goswami says that only the power of loving devotion can draw Krishna into the heart. Sri Krishna Karshini Mata Mata. Hmm. Uh, this word Akarshini. Um, Akarshana. Karshana means to pull or pulling. Um, it's from the same root as the name Krishna. Krishna is all pulling. He is all attractive. He's pulling everyone. This is Krishna. And Akarshini, um, Krishna Akarshini, uh, the attraction, or actually she, I think, feminine, who is attracting Krishna. Um, and then 
we have a famous quote. Many of you will know this verse. Premanjana Churita Bhakti Vilochanena Santasadai Varidayesha Vilokayanti Yang Shama Sundaramachintyaguna Sarupam Govindamadi Purusham Tamaham Bajami. I worship Govinda, the primeval Lord. Who is Shama Sundara, Krishna himself with inconceivable, innumerable attributes, whom the pure devotees see in their heart of hearts with the eye of devotion tinged with the salve of love? So the word Anjana is salve. A prema anjana is a salve of love. And uh, when the eyes, the vilochana, are tinged, churita, uh, with bhakti, then santaha, the saints, sada, always, sada eva, fridayeshu uh, vilogayanti, they see, Vilokayanti, Hridayeshu, in their hearts. Who do they see? <clears throat> uh, Shamasundaram, Yam Shamasundaram. <clears throat> uh, that, it's actually Govindam, who is Shamasundar, or the other way around, Shamasundar, who is Govinda. And who is Achintya Guna Sarupam, <clears throat> whose form uh, is uh, consisting of uh, inconceivable gunas. And of course, here the word guna means quality in the positive sense, not in the sense of the three gunas, the modes of material nature. Uh, then it's explained, the Dhamma is included in the inconceivable, innumerable attributes referred to by the words achintya guna swarupam. Um, and so from this verse, we understand such persons are carry, carrying the Dhamma in their heart. I'm a, um, oh. Hmm. Oh, yes. Okay. Okay, so we've gone through four different types of Dhamma. Now we should make a little quiz. What are these four? <laughs> Anyone want to tell us who is the, uh, what is the first Dhamma? Everyone's being too shy. Aprakata. Um, okay. <laughs> Can you be more specific? Mm. 
Oh, he likes these abstract terms. We want something non-abstract. No, 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 you're on the wrong track. <laughs> what, is the, what is the original place where Krishna lives? Yes, Goloka Dhamma. <laughs> and for the residents of Goloka Dhamma, there's nothing aprakata about it. <laughs> There's nothing non-manifest. It is all manifest. Okay, and then what is the next? Bhoma Vrindavan. Yes. The, the earthly Vrindavan, specifically the earthly Vrindavan where Krishna manifests his pastime. So, okay, now we have the term prakata. Uh, he manifests his pastimes. That is Bhoma Vrindavan. Then we have, what do we have? Drishyamana Dhamma, uh, which is the Vrindavan, uh, which is the, the Dhamma invisible for uh, ordinary persons, visible for the Santas, and I think here we may want to say partially visible for those who are on the path. Certainly, when we visit Vrindavan, there are um, occasions and opportunities, and maybe very strongly, where we feel Krishna's presence. Isn't it? So sometimes in... Uh, uh, anthropologists, when they speak and write about uh, pilgrimage, I took part in this uh, academic conference on pilgrimage a few weeks ago. So uh, sometimes they will use the term thin place. A thin place, a place where uh, people claim that uh, it is, there is only a thin uh, veil covering some higher, some kind of higher reality. That is a general expression used for holy places of all different traditions, that people feel there's something special about this place. Why? Because there's, there's a, a sense of being close to something that's beyond this world. It's a thin place. It's a place where you can access more easily. So Vrindavan, for the devotees, is very much like that. Another term from within the tradition is Tirta. And what does Tirta mean? Literally, it means a crossing place. And historians say it was applied to any place on a river 
where it was easy to cross over to the other side. Maybe, maybe the, the water was shallow. Um, and so you could, you could cross, you could just uh, wade across and you could bring your cows across. And that place became a popular place because uh, you can cross the river there. And then eventually it would become a holy place. So that's, that's sort of the mundane understanding of Tirtha. Mm. The devotional understanding is that a Tirtha is a place that's especially favorable for crossing not just a river, but crossing this world, going, crossing the Viraja River. Huh? A few years ago, we had uh, this yatra um, through Odisha, going north from Puri up to Mayapur, and we stopped at, uh, at a place uh, where there were some temples, and it was the Viraja River. And uh, we heard that if you swim across, <laughs> then you're liberated. And so some of the devotees did that. <laughs> they swam across. Well, you know, it's worth it. Let's try it. <laughs> okay. Okay, then uh, Drishyamana, and then we just had what was the fourth type? Yes, yes, the, the Dhamma in the heart of great devotees. In other words, yes, we can say Krishna's in our heart whether we know it or not, and therefore the Dhamma is there. But the idea here is, is uh, for one who's, uh, for whom Krishna is really manifest in the heart, uh, then we speak of that person as having the Dhamma in the heart. And this leads us into uh, the fifth of these categories, the Dhamma manifested by great devotees. And Shivaram Swami quotes Yudhishthir Maharaj when he greets his uncle Vidura, who has been traveling on pilgrimage, uh, according to one source, for the last 30 years. And so he has completely missed uh, the war, the Battle of Kurukshetra. He comes back home after the battle and Yudhishthir honors him with these words, Bhavad Vidha Bhagavatas Tirtabhuta Svayam Prabhu Vibho Tirti Kurvanti Tirtani Svanta Stenagata Brita. My Lord, devotees like your good self are verily holy places personified. Because you carry the personality of Godhead within your heart, you turn all places into places of pilgrimage. So Vidura 
having the Lord in his heart, therefore having the Dhamma in his heart, wherever he goes, that becomes a Dhamma. That's the idea. So they carry in the heart and then they're creating a place of pilgrimage. Um, he gives as another example the life of Haridas Thakur. Haridas resided for some time, some time in a cave by the bank of the Ganga at Pulia. His cave was transformed into a place of Lord Krishna's pastimes or Vrindavan by his chanting the Maha Mantra. This is quoting from some source uh, in the notes. I'd have to look. Uh, then Bhakti Siddhanta Thakur comments on this and he cites a song composed by his father, Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur, Jadin Grihe Bhajana Daki Grihete Goloka Bhai. One day while performing devotional service, I saw my house transformed into Goloka Vrindavan. Okay, this brings us now back to the subject of real life for all of us in our assorted houses and apartments, wherever we are. Srila Bhaktivinoda Thakur suggests that it is possible through the practice of bhakti to have such experience. Jedina grihe bhajana daki one day, I was doing my routine devotional service. And suddenly I saw my house is not just my house, it's Goloka. Anyone experience that? Daitesha. <laughs> 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 well, it's possible. <laughs> Why not? Why not? Even in Argentina. <laughs> okay. So, first point. Uh, such devotees, wherever they go, the place they go is sanctified. Uh, it appears from these examples, however, that these devotees make no conscious effort to bring about such divine transformations. Rather, these places seem to be involuntarily or inadvertently transformed into holy dhammas by contact with the potency of these great souls. The question then arises, can or does a devotee ever establish the Dhamma in a specific place by conscious effort? And the answer to this question is, da. 
<laughs> yes. Talk. Just as a devotee inspired from within, or in, in Mandarin, dui, dui, dui. Uh, just as a devotee inspired from within by the potency of bhakti can give devotion to others, he, or I would add she, can establish holy places at his own discretion, again inspired by bhakti. And he elaborates on how the devotee can deliberately bestow mercy, his grace, svakripa shakti on others, according to Vishwanath Chakravarti Thakur. Uh, and of course, this is uh, the Lord's empowerment to make this possible. Uh, then he goes back to the example of Krishna's father, Vasudeva. Why was he effulgent? Because he sheltered within his heart the divine potency of Krishna and Krishna's abode. And from his heart, Krishna was transferred to the heart of, <coughs> of, De <coughs> of Devaki, Krishna's mother. Uh, this is this uh, immaculate conception. Shukadeva Goswami describes the Lord's appearance within Devaki, and he gives a longer quote there, which I won't read now. Uh, oh, yeah. Um, but regarding that immaculate conception, um, Srila Prabhupada quotes, he doesn't very often quote Viraragava Acharya, uh, but Viraragava Acharya is one of the Acharyas uh, who's, who has written a commentary on the Bhagavatam, um, I believe on the entire, possibly on the entire Bhagavatam, and this uh, commentary is included in the, uh, the, the collection of commentaries uh, which Srila Prabhupada used when he did his translation. Uh, Viraragava is from the Sri Vaishnava Sampradaya. So Prabhupada quotes him, he says, mm. He says uh, that this transfer was completely a heart-to-heart -heart relationship. Uh, and then Srila Prabhupada defines initiation in this context as the process by which the guru transfers Krishna from his heart to the heart of his disciple. Isn't that interesting? Uh, this is a transfer, a heart-to-heart -heart transfer from the guru uh, to the disciple of Krishna. Uh, 